Liverpool, Liverpool, you can go anywhere in the world and say you're from Liverpool and nobody will say where's that. There might be a bit of background noise. Uh, welcome to A Lovely Word. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's a <laughs> monthly podcast that we have out. Uh, and it's now taken the form of a kind of walking tour style podcast. Yeah, we're trying something new. We just walk past the Everyman where we normally have a lovely word and now we're seeing the sights, possibly going to the Catholic Cathedral, the Metropolitan Cathedral. Yeah, so we're Ooh. crossing the road. Um, this might be dangerous because we're both wired up in this car is just kind of scarily staring at us as we walk along. Um, let's describe where we are then. We are, there are some wonderful buildings in Liverpool. We're opposite uh, John Foster's, John Moore's buildings. Fascinating thing on the corner, the medical institution, Liverpool Medical Institution, which puts some kind of cultural events about medicine. Oh, really? Yeah, then on the everyman's front, there's uh, faces of about 100, I think, or so, people from the local community that have been emblazoned onto the front of the theatre um, in a kind of, with this kind of stencil effect on all the, the shutters that open and close randomly. It's a beautiful building, isn't it? I really like it. It was obviously shut for a while for renovation, and whenever something shuts for renovation, you're always a bit like, oh, is this just an excuse for them to not open it again? But actually, it was great. No, when they shut for renovation, it's because they want to they boost it, don't they? Yeah, exactly. But they want things to happen. It just uh, opened up with a, a new style, which is good. Yeah. And, uh, the layout of the cafe and the bistro is slightly better, I think, than it used to be. Yeah, it's actually, more open. Actually, there used to be uh, dead good poets used to use the bistro. Yeah. Um, and they've now moved to Blackburn House, so. Ah. Yeah. And now we use the bistro with uh, lovely word poetry. Exactly. Here we are at the Metropolitan Cathedral, often called Paddy's Wigwam. It looks like a kind of. Uh, looks like Mordor. <laughs> looks like Mordor. Yeah, because yeah. you've got like the, the big crown. turrets at the top, and I always yeah. imagine the Eye of Sauron. But yeah. I imagine that's not very. Um, no. They wouldn't like that. Yeah. Don't tell the. So Catholic it looks Church like a that. crown instead. I'll yeah, and bells like of different sizes. Yeah. That roll ring. Uh, it's very roll ring now. Very modern church. Very modern church indeed. Then it oversees the University of Liverpool um, and all its fabulousness. The worst university in the Russell Group, but still in the Russell Group, <laughs> and fundamentally that's what they cling to. What's that? What's the Russell Group? The Russell Group. Yeah, I don't know what that is. The Russell Group is the 24. It's like 18 to 24 elite universities in the country oh. that um, generally offer medicine, veterinary and classics. Ah, right, the okay. old red bricks, a lot of them, and, and plus Oxford and Cambridge and uh, the glass plate. I Some see. of the glass plate universities. I've seen um, <sighs> an advert for Liverpool Uni upstairs. the other day, which is what, uh, it was the original red brick. Yes. That we kept saying. Yeah, no, it is. That's its whole thing. Some good art there. Yeah. So the poetry <laughs> we had on this month yeah. Um, we're gonna. I'm just. We're just gonna introduce them really quickly, and then we're just gonna let them run because okay. uh, they're really good poems. We had on the wonderful Levi Safari, who's a local poet. Yeah. He's great. He's fab. He's a Liverpool legend. But we had on. Greg, who did a poem about the troubles in Ireland and about the Irish Catholic divide, I put that one on. It's brilliant. Love that poem. And we've got a poem by a young poet called Zainab, 
Yeah. Um, and it's about, well, she's only 17, and she performed it in her assembly. Uh, well, we'll just let it play, because it is it's just a lovely poem as well. So Especially because she was a first-timer as well, yeah. getting up and doing something really vulnerable, which was, uh, yeah. it's always uh, really touching to watch something And like she'd that. emailed Levi Tafari um, a while ago oh, yeah. um, about meeting up with him, and um, then met him there, and they had a picture together. So it was quite nice, quite sweet. Yeah, it was cute. The, the camera wouldn't work. Do you oh, would it not? Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> so they had to do it about five or six times, but yeah. Anyway, these are those poems from A Lovely Word on the, um, oh God, what was it? On the 3rd of October, which was National Poetry Day. Yeah. There it is. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. Red lines carved through times of pain and moments of emptiness trying to draw a picture on my wrists instead of telling you about the devil in my dreams. During the day, I would search underneath my bed, but soon I realized that all the monsters were inside my own head, listening to my ghost who came alive after each time that I died in this life. Too many of them clouding my mind with the thoughts of how to end this one last time. It was like a cycle that would never end and there was no escape. I convinced myself that it was because I was weak, only I look back now and realize that I never really wanted to leave. Thirteen-year-olds me don't look at that sharpener with teary eyes. Instead, pick up a pen and draw onto paper those lines that you once drew on your arms. Don't fall asleep with the ambition of waking up in heaven. That can wait, my darling. I know. I know that you want to be the angel that you are to your mum. I want to show you the person you have become. Live long enough to see yourself smile with pleasure. Put down that knife and pick up an eraser. Wipe away those tears and wash away the blood that ran down your legs. The cuts are deep enough now. Soon you will see those lonely nights were not worth your fight. The time you have on this earth is tight. Live it as if this is your last night. Every time the walls start to cave in, push them away with your angel wings. Yes, you may have sold your soul to the devil, but like everything in this life, nothing is forever. The price tags are invisible when it comes to your mind. You can never buy what is already mine. He took away what you gave him, he cannot take away what you hide. For he was the angel who fell to his knees. Iblis, can you hear me? This is the soul you tried to steal. Only I know how you feel, for I too was an angel who fell. But unlike you, I never lost my faith. I was just blinded by your hate and guided by the light of the fire you create. The journey I strive to take to mend my past mistakes will never have an end because the past is too dangerous to amend. Until I die, I will simultaneously be the preacher for the future and an example of the past. Don't live knowing you have time, live knowing that there is an end. Legacies are built on the foundation of which we breathe our efforts on. The sum of one and one will always equal sum, but the sum of zero can never possibly equal one. The day bleeds as do the dead souls we see around. I'm doing so well now, I wonder why I built a wall around me and the world. I survived dying a million times, but hey really, I'm fine. Our second 
things half of a lovely word open micers. So, uh, without further ado, we're going to kick on. Each poet gets four minutes, you all know the rules. Um, we are starting this half with, give a big round of applause for Greg. Give a big round for Greg. Can we keep the noise down, please? Thank you. I just want to thank Alex for putting me on after Levi. <laughs> 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 This one is called Exchange Flags. It's about that square which is behind Liverpool Town Hall, from where the cotton trade was conducted. Back in old glory days, long since forgotten, the flags here were smothered in snowy white cotton. Soft as a carpet beneath merchant feet, King Cotton was plenty, King Cotton was cheap. It came by the Mersey, it came by the seas, white canvas aloft in the western breeze. By Liverpool sailors, Nidmull and Yar, tough as mahogany, weathered as tar. It came from the rivers, it came from the mud, it came from the kick and the stick and the blood. It came from the work line, the whip, the plantations, it came from the fracture and breaking of nations. For cotton is gentle, fragile, and light. Cotton is pure and pristine and white. But the commerce of cotton is darker than death. Would barter your soul and crush your last breath. It went by the engine, the steam and the rail. It went by the hundredweight bale over bale. It went by Manchester, Bury and Preston, Blackburn and Bolton and Darwin and Nelson where there's brass for the boss and poor spinning jenny works hour by long hour for less than one penny where the air is so thick it smothers the lung and the thundering loom drowns the lancashire tongue cotton by bowl by bag and by bale for smocks and for shirts for duck cloth and sail cotton for mills for ships and plantations for enriching mill owners impoverishing nations Cotton for tyranny, hardship, and slavery. Cotton for unions, resistance, and bravery. Back on old glory days, long since forgotten. It came by the Mersey, that snowy white cotton. Thank you. <laughs> Levi spoke about people perceiving differences of color. And back where I come from, um, people perceive differences of religion. And uh, being a Liverpool audience, you probably don't need telling, but the word Fenian in Irish parlance is, means a Catholic. And uh, I've written this to explain to people on this side of the Irish Sea the sort of problems we're up against. It was in the town of Drumlin, in the county down, there was a grand big meeting of the farmers all around who agreed to work together to establish a co-op, a better way to get their dirty products to the shop. The idea was accepted with a show of hands, the unanimous approval of those men who worked the land. With such fraternal feeling, it didn't make no odds that half of them were Fenians and the other half were broads. <laughs> then up stood Big Ned Crilly, said he really had to mention a matter of importance that had escaped attention. When going to the shops, how can housewives take their pick 
if they can't tell which milk is Protestant and which is Catholic. <laughs> the meeting then decided to avoid communal friction. They separate the bottles by devotional conviction. <laughs> on Protestant farm produce, red labels would be seen, while on the Catholic milk, of course, the labels would be green. Now, to you and me, this simple rule is absolutely clear. But it wasn't very long before big problems did appear. When Jim McCann, a Catholic, took his car down to the mart and sold it to a Protestant by the name of Tommy Snatt. <laughs> when Smart got home, his wife said, Can you tell me now, how can you make Protestant milk when you bought a Catholic car? But <laughs> told by the committee his milk would never pass, says Smart, the cow might be Catholic, but it's eating Protestant grass. <laughs> Then Willie Orr, Grand Master of the local Orange Order, was caught smuggling cheap Catholic hay in across the border. <laughs> and someone pointed out that you're taking our court chance when the wind blows Roman Catholic rain in from Spain and France. <laughs> and to compound the crisis, the priest at Ballybilk had a lady in confession say she drunk some Protestant milk. <laughs> so he drafted out a letter to the Pope himself in Rome to get official guidance direct from the papal throne. <laughs> The Vatican Committee was alarmed at the suggestion that the flock were in such danger of heretical ingestion. <laughs> the drink of Protestant milk itself was not extreme. It could lead to Protestant butter, yogurt, cheese and cream. <laughs> All Catholics should be aware of the threat of excommunication when adding milk to tea without a papal dispensation. <laughs> and Protestants should know of the risk that they can take of betraying God and Ulster when they order their milkshake. Thank you. <laughs> So, Levi. Yes, Levi Tafari. Yeah, yeah it's fab. He came and he did some uh, dub poetry, or dub poetry, as he says he calls it, and uh, it's really, really rhythmical. It's from Jamaica. That's why he calls it poetry. All right, is it? All right. Well, I mean, no, I mean, he is, he's Scouse, but he's of Jamaican origins. Yeah, and yeah. So that's why he's got that kind of... Um, and he, he really like. he was talking about how he really likes uh, nursery rhymes and that they're really yeah. important uh, ways of conveying knowledge. So he came up with his own uh, criminal version, which is quite interesting, called Nursery Crimes. Mm. So. Yeah, so we, we'll play that for you. And we've also got an interview that um, Becky did with Levi. Now, I don't want to underplay Levi because he's a very important person in terms of the Liverpool poetry mm -hmm. and UK-wide poetry scene and what he's added to it, who he is and his whole um, kind of performative, um, he calls himself a, a griot um, poet um, as well. And so he's kind of political, he's rhythmic in his style. He's uh, definitely got kind of a relationship with Benjamin Zephaniah in terms of his style yeah. uh, as well. It's like a, a poetry in the same vein as um, reggae is to music, yeah. and it does draw on that as sure. a sort of protest, um, but something that's listenable and uh, con conveys things in an understandable way, but is still political and protest. It was a very fun night, too. Yeah. Like it, was a, it, was quite, it was quite enjoyable to kind of be a lot of charisma. Yeah. Um, I was sitting there with his, with his wife and, and their friends and everything, and it was a really fun evening, so yeah. It seemed so, like he was really... Um, enjoying uh, the atmosphere of being in Liverpool um, and, I f and I thought that he was really well appreciated actually. Which, oh god he yeah. was, yeah. And it yeah. was a busy night, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he didn't say no to speaking to people which is always lovely. Oh no, no, he just kept 
talking even though he's really tired because he'd woken up <laughs> early to get to Blackpool for National Poetry Day event, everything. So yeah, this is Levi. Like yeah, no, I haven't, but I've done quite a bit at this theatre, at the Everyman, oh, over wonderful. the years. So, a lot of the, well, all of the theatres in Liverpool yeah. I've been able to perform in, and the art centres and supported projects of theirs. So, That's yeah, so it's a familiar stomping ground, really. Yeah. But it's good that this is happening, you know, yeah. and I'm particularly today, which is National Poetry Day. Yeah, um, poetry's come a long way because it used to be that, you know, just kind of middle class people used to listen to poetry and maybe even write poetry. But now, as we've heard tonight, there have been poems right across the board. Sure, from sure. every walk of life. And I think that um, that's one of the things that we really like about having the poetry night in the Everyman because it's everybody's space. Yeah. Uh, and um, again, living up to its name. Yeah. You know, every, every man and every woman. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And also that um, uh, we're very grateful that people come down and share their work with us. Yeah. We think that that is a real privilege when anybody gets up to share their work. Um, it really is something yeah. special to see. But see, Liverpool is a, a a city that has produced a lot of writers, yeah. particularly poets. Um, so it's a very, uh, it's it's a literary city that has a, a oral tradition, a tradition of storytelling, yeah. and that kind of comes from the Irish, from the African and Caribbean communities, you know, the Asian community, Arab community, all have an oral tradition. So that kind of melting pot of traditions is here in Liverpool. For sure, and I think that um, you've got some really great poets coming out at the moment. One of my favourites, I'm always championing her, is uh, Amina Ratik. Yeah. Uh, that she calls herself Yemeni Scouse. Yeah, and that's one right. of the things that always attract, has attracted me to Liverpool, I've lived here a long time now, is that like it has a real spirit about the place. Yeah. And like you were saying, it, it's all those different uh, cultures that come in through the port town. Yeah. Yeah, Many different right. reasons, obviously, yeah. but um, this is a place I think that proves that that just enriches mm -hmm. like art and culture. Yeah, like this this place is so rich in art and culture. Oh, definitely, and because of its history, you know, and its position within the UK, um, it was a wealthy city at one time. Yeah, you know, the second city in the UK. Um, next to London, so people gravitate here, and and it's interesting that the people in New York, because New York has a similar vibe, you know, probably on a higher level and stronger, but you know, as a lot of people that went to New York passed through Liverpool, yeah. So the influence is there. Well, know? Liverpool, I feel like um, is a city that does a lot with a little, um, mm. and. It has had these great contributions to art and music yeah. and poetry, which is fantastic. I wanted to ask you a quick question, just because one of the things that I've always found really amazing about your work is your inclusion of how you keep that real spoken word element, but with music. Um, mm. And uh, some of our listeners probably won't know what dub poetry is, if you know what I mean, yeah. if they're just reading poetry. Well, so could you maybe explain a little bit about dub poetry? Well, dub poetry is a poem 
that has been written to a, a kind of a reggae rhythm, but not to any specific reggae rhythm. The the rhythm is built into the poetry, so it's it's like chanting. It's come out of a tradition, oral tradition of DJs. So in Jamaica, it was Okuanuru who used the term dub poetry, and I came with a thing called dub poetry, which dropped the P from the poetry because it's more oral. Yeah. Which was inspired by the last poets who were kind of jazz poets and rap poets, you know? Yeah. They're kind of the forefathers of rap. So for myself, dub poetry is a poem with a built in reggae rhythm. Yeah. And, you know, it highlights various aspects of society. So we talk about politics, we talk about love, we talk about spirituality, talk about faith, and it has all of these things going on. And it's, you know, performed by male and female. So Okuanora mentioned Linton Crazy Johnson, Muta Baruka, Jean Binta Breeze, uh, you know, Cherry Natural, there's a whole host of poets, Yasas Afari, you know, so it's a tradition and it's been going for, you know, at least the, the past 40 years, it's, it's a strong tradition. Yeah. Um, and it's right across the globe because reggae music is po popular, then dub poetry is popular. And I'm glad to be an exponent of that tradition. I would say it, it's an amazing introduction into not just, like, reggae is an amazing tradition and it's always been very political and rebellious. Yeah. Um, and I think that what dub poetry or dub poetry is about, for me, when I listen to it, is it really embraces that kind of oral tradition. Like you say, you see it in like Irish culture, you see it in, in black culture. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this idea that poetry on the page is a kind Theft. Yeah. yeah. So but I the think thing that's is, amazing. people could speak before they could write. So when people think the literary tradition is superior, if it wasn't for the spoken word, there would be no written word. That is so true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So people, babies can speak, yeah. or children can speak before they can write. Yeah. They have language. So not everything is about writing things down. You know, sometime as it's called now, um, spoken word. Back then it was dub poetry or rap poetry, um, but now people are saying spoken word, and it's important. It's an important tradition because a lot of people um, who would write but keep things hidden are now being encouraged to share that work yes. because of spoken word sessions like this. Yeah, you know, so. It's a positive thing, keep up the good works and Thank all you. power to you, you know? I, it's such an honour to have you here today. I'm yeah. such a massive fan. Yeah, man. Thank Give you so thanks. much. All right, you're <laughs> welcome. You. When I went to school, we didn't do nursery rhymes. We did nursery crimes. <laughs> and this one is called Nursery Crimes because I read an article quite a long time ago and it said that nursery rhymes are dying out because mothers aren't teaching it to their children because they think they're childish. They're supposed to be childish, the nursery rhymes. So this is my take on nursery rhymes. It's called nursery crimes. 
Trickery, trickery, duck. Life can be a shock. In space and time, I created a rhyme, and this is what we've got. There was a young woman who lived in a shoe. She was homeless with children. What else could she do? She marched on Downing Street with 10,000 women and men to evict those vampires from number 10. Get up, stand up. That's what she said. Stand up for your rights. Meanwhile, Humpty Grumpty was doing so well till a gunman shot him and Humpty fell. Gang warfare, it's a dread situation. Protection rackets and extortion. Wheeling and dealing in illegal props. Gangsters terrorized, pursued by cops. Paralyzed from the neck down, from the neck down in a wheelchair. The community celebrated because Grumpty had them living in fear. And still, John and Jane cruised down the lane to score themselves some crack cocaine. <laughs> On the way there, they got a scare. A police helicopter scoped them from the ear. So they took two E's and went to a rave. No, 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 there's no lyrics. No, 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 there's no lyrics. And still, they're pushing up daisies from their grave. And still, old Mother Hubbard hid drink in the cupboard. She was always liquor to the bone. Referred to a clinic as an alcoholic, a celebrity, her face was well known. Along with media success came adversity and stress. Her career was trickling down the drain. Seduced by the drink, had driven her to the brink. A recluse, she was never seen again. Just like little Joe Weep. She didn't lose her sheep. She hid them and claimed compensation. <laughs> Where there's blame, there's a claim. <laughs> she hid them and claimed compensation. But <laughs> I've lost the drift now. <laughs> I'd have to come again. <laughs> so, little Joe, little Bo Weep, she didn't lose her sheep. She hid them and claimed compensation. But the sheep, they were found in her brother's compound. Now they're both facing prosecution. They could even go to prison. Ask yourself, is this a crime? Georgie, Georgie, why oh why did you kiss the girl and make her cry? Georgie, Georgie didn't have a reply. Well, try man, Georgie, try man, try. So Georgie, Georgie thought for a while, then he turned to me with a sinister smile. He told me while he was making love to Emma, he accidentally called her Gemma. Gemma turned out to be her sister. Now the three of them are starring on Jerry Springer. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. That's when Mary had a little lamb. It freaked the midwife out. Genetic. Genetic engineering, Mary? Yes, without a doubt. Laboratories in modernity. Is this futuristic maternity? I saw that monstrosity on my television. Sporting a suit, it's a politician. Like an like android, you operated out a soul. And this is the one who might take control. Hey, diddle, diddle. Some are caught in the middle, trying to figure life out. Talk of a god in the sky. What 
watching from way up high, and to him we should be devout. Stand and face your judgment if you disobedient. Damnation dwelling in hell. But as far as I can see, society has built hell around we, and they wonder why I rebel. Yes, they wonder why we rebel. Thank you very much. One love, one love. Thank you. Right, right, okay. Well